Good morning everyone, welcome to History Makers Revival Center Online and um, what a wonderful privilege to share um, this morning on the Passover and the boundaries set at the cross. What a wonderful time to celebrate what Jesus did for us um, 2,000 years ago upon that cross. We are so privileged to be in a time where we can still celebrate it, where we can still lift up the name of Jesus, where we can still um, just truly be be so um, in His presence at this time, knowing that He is able to do the greatest thing ever, the greatest movement ever. But let's just pray together. Father, we come before you this morning in the mighty name of Jesus, and we want to thank you for the blood that was shed upon the cross. We want to thank you, Father, that we know this morning, Father, that you are able to do the impossible. We want to thank you, Father, that our salvation was brought upon that cross. We want to thank you that our healing was brought upon that cross. We want to thank you that our deliverance was brought upon that cross. And Father, we know today, Father, that you are still working on our behalf. We want to thank you today that the blood still speaks in Jesus' name. And we thank you this morning, Father, that as we do this message, as we lift up the name of Jesus as we impart into the lives of people. Father, we know that change is here and change is now. We thank you, Father, that we can feel revival in the atmosphere and it's about to break loose in Jesus' name. Amen and Amen. So this morning, um, as we continue with the series on boundaries, I was reminded on the boundaries that was placed upon us by the cross. And it's so important to take note of these boundaries. It's so important to take note of what happened on that cross. Um, talking to various people in this time, especially people that are busy with Bible school, people in the church as well, uh, people sending me messages and saying, you know what, the church as a whole has been taking the communi communion and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ um, as, a, as a joke. We have lost the meaning thereof, and so many people are coming back to the meaning of of what it is, of what communion is, of what the crucifixion was. So this morning, I want you to take your Bible, and I want you to go to Matthew 27, and we'll be reading from verse 27, and it's going to be quite a long read this morning, so please bear with me as we read it. And it says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet, scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. Now, I want you to, to look at that part and it says they plaited a crown of thorns and they put it upon his head and they read in his right hand and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. The moment that they put the crown of thorns upon his head, it broke every hindrance to your, um, to your mental 
capability. It broke every hindrance, every hold of the enemy upon your mental capability was broken at that moment. And they led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them and opened my vesture that and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple, and buildest it up in three days, save thyself, if thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking him with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others, killing he cannot save. Or himself he cannot save, sorry. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elijah. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be. Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks, rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake, and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. And many women were there, beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and mother of Zebedee's children. When the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea, named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it up in clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulchre and was departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulchre. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that the deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command therefore that the sepulchre be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He has risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as he can. So they went and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. 
John 19, verse 29 to 30. John 19, verse 29 to 30. Now there was a vessel full of vinegar. Oh, let's take it from verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon his hop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the vinegar, he said, Tetelestai, which means it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. I want you to focus just on verse 29 again. And it says they put the vinegar upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. And hyssop is a, a branch of a tree. It's a type of tree and it's a branch that they took from this tree. And when we go back to the Passover when they left Israel, they took the blood of the lamb upon hyssop and put it on their doorposts. And isn't it wonderful to know that today we celebrate the Passover lamb. Today we celebrate the lamb that was crucified once and for all. The lamb that gave his life so that we might live and have the fullness of life. Isn't that awesome to know this morning that God had in his perfect plan one sacrifice that will overshadow every other sacrifice that was ever made. One one lamb that had to be crucified so that we might live. Now, in this uh, scripture portion, we see there are seven boundaries put in place by the crucifixion of Jesus. And these are the seven words that were, were given upon the cross, the seven words that were uttered upon the cross. And the first one that we see is a boundary of forgiveness. Jesus brings in a boundary of forgiveness and we see that forgiveness can only be obtained by the father luke 23 verse 34 says the following father forgive them for they know not what they do you cannot obtain forgiveness or give forgiveness if you do not go through the father so many times we we sit in this place and we are are so overwhelmed by emotions we are so overwhelmed by what people did to us and many times we get the advice, you need to go to the person and you need to make right with the person, especially with the communion. But I, I want to give it to you this morning that you can obtain the forgiveness by going to the Father directly. And by doing so, you, you open up the realm for God to bring forgiveness not only in your life, but to bring restitution and reconciliation in the life of someone else. So we see without the cross, there could never be forgiveness. Without the cross, there had to be sacrifice in order to forgive. But now at this moment, due to the cross, due to the shed blood of Jesus Christ that has, has been poured out over us, we can go and say, Father, forgive us. Father, forgive them that did something to us. I forgive them today and I set them free. Isn't that awesome to know that we have that capability to do that? So, so the first one is forgive. That's the first word that he uses. That's the first boundary that he sets is forgiveness is only obtained by the Father. The second one is salvation. And we know that salvation is only obtained 
through the finished work of Jesus upon the cross. There is no other way that I can be saved. I cannot call upon uh, Buddha. I cannot call upon Allah. I can only call upon the name of Jesus because only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can heal and only Jesus can deliver. So salvation is only achieved by the finished work. Isn't that awesome to know the finished work? And we're going to get to that in a, in a few minutes. But, but we need to take into consideration that we don't need to go put someone on a cross again. It was done once and for all. So how can I bring this in? In Luke 23 verse 43 it says, Today you shall be with me in paradise. When the, the one thief looked at Jesus, he said, How can I obtain the salvation? How can I gain this forgiveness? And Jesus came and he forgave him and he said, Truly you shall be with me in paradise today. How wonderful to know that during his agony with his arms stretched out wide, with blood flowing from his hands and his feet and his side and his head covered in blood, that the most embarrassing way to, to pass away at that time, the most embarrassing way to, to, um, to die at that time was with crucifixion. And Jesus gave his all at that moment and still he was full of forgiveness and full of grace how wonderful to know that so we know as well that with Jesus saying that when you are a believer you do not go and wait for Jesus to come back when you pass away John 5 verse 24 and 25 says the following that when you believe in Jesus and when you pass away you go, uh, you go past the judgment into eternal life. So every believer has eternal life. Every believer passes from judgment into eternal life. How wonderful to know when I call upon the name of the Lord. He is with me. How wonderful to know that when I close my eyes, whether I pass away today or at the age of 120, I'm going to see my Jesus. I'm going to look him full in the face. I'm going to know that he is with me during every step of the way. Therefore he said unto me and unto that sinner, Today you shall be with me in paradise. The third one is that relationship is only established by the love that was poured out on the cross. That is the only place that relationship was established. How can I say that? John 19 verse 26 to 27 says the following. Jesus looks at Mary and he says to Mary, woman. Behold thy son. And he shows to John who is his stepbrother. He shows to him. How can I say his stepbrother? Because Joseph wasn't the father of Jesus. And he says to Mary. Woman behold thy son. And he says to John. Son behold thy mother. At that moment there was a transition. Saying you know what. At this moment. I have become your big brother. At this moment. I have fulfilled the prophecy. At this moment, I have brought in the new covenant. So relationship is established. How does he establish that? Due to the crucifixion, when I become a believer, the rest of the family of God is my family. And that is where a stripping away of family takes place. That is where 
I am stripped from my physical family and the hold and the generational curses that's part of that family and I become family of God. Isn't that awesome to realize this morning that we have millions of brothers and sisters that are celebrating with us today as we are part of the family of Jesus. So the boundary setting place there is my relationships are no longer affected by a phys physical family. It is brought in and it is blessed by a spiritual family with God as the ultimate father. The fourth one is you cannot live without Jesus. When you are unsaved, there's a void on the inside of you and we try to fill our voids with so many things. We try to fill our void with either uh, smoking, with drinking, with sex, with pornography. We try to, to fill these voids with so many things. And it's because when I'm unsaved and I don't have Jesus, I feel abandoned. And at that moment, Jesus felt an abandonment because he took on the full force of sin upon that cross. How, how can I bring that in? Matthew 27 verse 46 and Mark 15 verse 34 says the same thing. It says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Can you imagine the agony that Jesus was in at that moment where he's, he's upon that cross? He's busy suffering. The blood is busy dripping out of him. He's going through so much pain because the, the nails are pushing upon the sinews in his hands, upon the nerves in his hands, upon the nerves in his feet. And he cries out and he says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the reason he cries it out is because at that moment full of sin, his father turns his face away because God cannot look upon sin. Isn't it incredible to know that this perfect Jesus, this perfect man and perfect God that gave his life also felt a sense of abandonment at that moment? How many times in our life do we feel abandonment? How many times in our lives do we feel rejection? How many times in our life do we feel God has forsaken us, but because of the work on the cross and because of this that has been put in place, that I have a relationship with him, I don't have to feel abandoned. Jesus came and, and he gave us the key to break every form of rejection in our lives. You see, at that moment with that feeling of abandonment, there was a foretaste of hell. Many people have a different viewpoint of hell, but I believe the greatest hell is to be abandoned from the presence of God. And that is what hell is about. It's an abandonment from his presence. It's an abandonment from his love. The fifth boundary is you can only receive life-giving water through Jesus. He is the source of life. When we look at that, we see where he speaks to this uh, woman in Samaria, the, the Samaritan woman. And what happens is he says, just give me some water for I'm thirsty. And then he goes on and he tells a woman, you do not know who you're talking to, but out of you rivers of living water shall flow. And we see in John 19, 28, Jesus uses two little words. After that, when he's asking for water, he says, I thirst. And at that moment, he was no life giving water left. Jesus was busy dying, but he said, I thirst. 
this opened up a place for us to get into the life-giving source, which is the Jesus Christ, to say, I want a greater thirst. I want a greater hunger after you. I want so much more of you. I need to go, uh, we need to go and we need to say, Jesus, I thirst for you. I thirst for your life-giving water. The sixth one is that death has been overcome as well as any aspect that can cause harm. It cannot come near anyone that has received salvation. John 19 verse 30 says, Tetelestai, it is finished. Therefore, to every sickness it is finished. To every disease it is finished. To every hardship it is finished. To every shame that comes upon you it is finished. To every feeling of guilt it is finished. We need to walk in that tetelestai power. We need to say, I, I don't care what happens, it is finished. When the enemy comes with your past and you have obtained salvation, you need to say, it is finished. That is the boundary that is the boundary that was set in place so that we can be free. Is the boundary of it is finished. We need to rise up as a church and say to this pandemic, look here, 2,000 years ago upon the cross, Jesus gave his life. It is finished. We need to take up our authority. We need to take up our identity being sons and daughters of God. And we need to prophesy death over the pandemic, not death over the people. We need to prophesy death over the pandemic, if we look when Moses led the people out three and a half thousand years ago, what started to happen is there was plagues beforehand. And at the Passover, the plague stopped because the, the, the Spirit of God passed over the houses of the Israelites. We need to say today, Father, I thank you that the life-giving Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, is going to pass over South Africa and every nation. We've got, we got to say, we've got to prophesy that this Passover will see an end to this pandemic in the name of Jesus. We need to rise up as a church and say, I've got the authority to speak to everything that comes against the plan and purpose of God. And I have the authority to cast it down. That's what the word of God says to us. And the seventh boundary that is put in place by the cross is reconciliation is made possible. There is no other way to reconcile but through the cross of Jesus. And Luke 23, 46, Jesus says, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And when we pass away, we are reconciled with the Father once again in spirit. But when we obtain salvation, we are reconciled with the Father on earth as well. What a wonderful thing to know that we have the spirit of reconciliation, that we have the ministry of reconciliation with the Father. So in saying that, to live a boundary life through the cross, first thing I need to ask forgiveness and I need to forgive. That is the first boundary that we can walk on. Secondly, I need to repent and obtain eternal life. Repentance is one of the most important aspects that you could ever go through. I'm going to say it out there and I'm going to be very, very harsh this morning. But no person that has obtained repentance will see heaven. You need to repent and you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The third one is I need to move into relationship with his family. Not various families, but his family. I need to draw close to God. I need to know that he will help me. I need to walk triumphantly in my identity. 
You need to walk triumphantly in your identity. And you need to be sure of your reunion with the Father. On earth reconciliation, but the reunion when you pass away as well, you need to be sure thereof. I want to put it out there this morning and say, we cannot look at the cross and still want to walk in the world. We cannot have one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the world. That is, that is out of the question when we look at the boundaries placed by the cross. Let's pray together and then we're going to use communion. Father, we want to thank you this morning for the finished work upon the cross. We want to thank you, Father, that you sent your son to die for us. Father, to go through all of that agony so that we might be saved. We thank you this morning that on the inside of us you will create a grateful heart, a heart of gratitude. Father, so that we will know that once we become part of this family, we have authority and we have power to cast down every stronghold. We thank you that the work of the enemy is finished, Father. We thank you that when he comes around walking like a roaring lion, Father, we know he's just a mouse with a loudspeaker. Father, we have the lion of Judah on the inside of us. And I thank you this morning, Father, that we can share in this finished work of the cross, that we have that authority in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. I want you, if you've got your communion with you, to take the bread and remember that the bread that was given, Jesus said, take this, eat this in remembrance of me. And when they broke his body, no bone was broken on the inside of him. Isn't that awesome to fulfill the prophecy saying that none, no bone shall be broken. And the wine that was given. And he said, this is my blood which was shed, with, shed for you. When you take the blood this morning, I want you to proclaim, I have power and authority in the name of Jesus. When you take, I have power and authority in the name of Jesus. And then we know this morning that this is the greatest time for a move of God to break open. In Jesus' name. I hope you are blessed this morning. And that you will once again just go through those seven points. I will, I will put it on the WhatsApp group as well and on Facebook. The seven points, the seven crosswords and how the boundaries are implemented. I will send out notes this week as well to work through it. Remember the previous week there was a challenge. Send me a message on how you achieved that challenge as well. Then Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, we will do Resurrection Sunday. Um, the boundaries that were placed upon us by the resurrection. That's so awesome to know that we serve a boundaried God. A God of order. Um, as I sent out last night due to the lockdown extension, we will be going live every Sunday. But I, I truly believe God can do anything we just limiting sometimes. I believe he can do something. And I don't want to prophesy about it. But I believe that this is a time that the church needs to stand up in her authority and take the authority. You can also give via EFT. Banking details are on um, the caption of this live video. You can give. Sow a seed in this time. The seed that comes in we can use to, to bless someone with. Um, I know that People are pushing for pastors to become essential workers as well in this time for trauma counseling and to, to just give support to those that are 
in need. So let's hope that the president takes notice thereof, that pastors are also essential in this time to help those in need and to live out their pastoral calling. That's the only way we will actually win against this pandemic, is when we stand up in our authority and power, knowing that God has placed such a great calling upon our lives. Have a blessed uh, Passover Friday. Enjoy your time with family. Enjoy your Easter eggs if you have Easter eggs. Also enjoy the food that you are making today and the pickled fish. Bless you and see you on Sunday morning.